Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author, and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious and it's me Kate. Really delighted to uh, to welcome Max today and yeah so Max is a mum of two, um, she's mum of two boys, she's a teacher, she's a member of the Love Sober community, she is a sober sister and she refers to herself as a Cornish chick trying to acclimatise to Scotland. <laughs> So hello, Max. How are you doing today? Hi, Kate. No, I'm fine. I mean, it's August. I've got a jumper on, but, you know, that's Scottish weather for you. Yeah. But, uh, good. All good up here. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, we we're having a little bit of a, a check in, weren't we, before we, we came on. And your kids have gone back to school already. So you're yep. sort of dealing with some of that. And my kids aren't. So I'm dealing with that. <laughs> so we're like okay okay we're fine we're fine but yeah it's I guess I mean this segues I suppose nicely into what we're gonna kind of talk about today which is the kind of real life um of being sober of being sober mums of just kind of nuts and bolts of life right and we had a little bit of a chat about about what podcasts can bring um and I was sort of explaining to Max a bit before about just kind of really wanting to get to the heart of of what this thing is and I've been doing some courses with Anne Dowsett Johnson who is amazing she was on here she's uh, she's an author I was doing a memoir writing course um I've been reading some of the works of Sharon Blackie who is amazing Dr Sharon Blackie who writes a lot about mythology um so yeah I've been writing quite a lot and thinking about stories and I was like you know what I honestly think that stories I mean stories are how we make sense of the world and how we feel connected and how we see each other in other people's stories stories we tell ourselves stories we tell other people and it just seems at the heart of a lot of stuff for me and so I really wanted to focus on this season just so stories um and hearing each other in the community telling yeah just telling our stories and going back to that like what's life like for us what do we find difficult what do we find brilliant what do we find challenging what you know all of that all of the stuff of life really so I'm going to welcome Max again brought you to the decision to become alcohol free so could you tell us a bit about that yeah okay so um well typically my um, growing up was typical at sort of 80s, 90s, big binge drinking culture where I lived, um, quite a small Cornish town, bit of a naval military influence. So a lot of a lot of sort of Alka-centric environment. Um, so for me, I always I think I've always grown up with the all or nothing approach to drinking. Um, you drank to get drunk. Um, and for, just for a few years, I think it was just what I considered was the norm. You know, yes, I would have the memory loss, falling asleep, the beer fear. There'd be dramas, falling out and things like that. But I think 
at that time, I was making excuses for it as it was just the rites of passage of a late teenager, sort of early 20s drinker. Um, and that kind of continued even when I started working. I think it was just the teachers all got together on a Friday. So again, that binge drinking continued over the weekends. Um, and then I took um, my teaching overseas and the expat world is quite alcoholic as well. Um, lots of sort of brunches, all day drinking. Um, and that kind of stayed with me. So I think it became so ingrained. It was just something I always did. Um, as I grew up, I think the drama was less with the drinking. However, it was intense when it did happen. Um, again, you know, things would kick off and I suppose at the now it's only now that I am sober I've realized I actually don't have the emotional capacity to drink I just my, I personally can't do that I'm far too sensitive I'm a huge overthinker um and when you add alcohol into that it's just going to bring chaos and disappointment this is just for me personally mm. um so when I when I married and, and had started my family, it, it settled down because, you know, I was a mum, I had a baby, I had this breastfeeding as well, so you couldn't drink. Um, so, you know, there was a bit of calm there. But then mummy wine time started, you know, that that culture. Um, and again, we, you know, I talked about this with my husband. It was all innocent to start with, but then it it turned into more than an hour. Then it turned into more than a bottle and it that's a lot when you're looking after young children um but what we didn't know then as the community already do know my eldest um was diagnosed with autism and we didn't know that at that time so he was displaying a lot of these traits and going through his own sort of traumas um himself and for me I started to reward myself with the alcohol and that's when I felt my drinking got a little bit darker um it sort of became um I planned the day around it I just it, I don't think I really noticed it at the time but and I wasn't doing it every day but my weekends became longer they started earlier um and then it was like how much was in the house was there enough if we went to other people's houses I know i started to like have to if they didn't have enough of what I drank I would hide my drink so that you know no one else could drink it because this is mine I need this I deserve this I've had a really bad week you know da, 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 da. so at that still at that time wasn't really alarm bells but I would you know hide the bottles so that maybe my husband didn't see that I'd drunk before he got home from work any excuse to have a drink, we would take the kids out for the day, but we would take them to the farm, do all the, the hands-on parenting, but go to the pub on the way home. It was like that had to come into it. It had to be scheduled in. Um, getting ready, you'd have your drink getting ready, but then you'd have your drink, a little paper cup of a drink in the car to the train station. It was getting ridiculous, just growing arms and legs. And I think because of what I was going through as a mum, 
it was like I in my head I was telling myself I need to make the most of this whilst I can I have to switch off I deserve this I've got you know my family live 500 miles away I don't have the respite um the boys are like 15 months apart and they're lively boys you know they're non-stop rockets Mm. and as I said with the eldest going through his own struggles and you know it just I just was using drink to fix that basically Mm. I'm sure that lots of people can relate to that like when you're talking to me there's a few things that occurred to me when you were talking I was thinking about how easy it is to it's almost like hop from one island alka-centric island to another isn't it it's so sort of has been so interwoven and until you kind of question it and you know it's like we don't question it because it is it's kind of everywhere like you say it's like expat it's mummy wine time it's the teenage rite of passage you know and it's so difficult to kind of step back when you're in it to kind of see that there's anything it's only in hindsight we're like oh my goodness it was like everywhere when I was doing it but the other thing about you know being um you know being a mom and it getting parceled up with reward so intimately almost and that kind of pressure cooker effect of it's like you know I remember starting to plan my day around it and partly it was like because it was becoming more important because that was like literally I can't get out to do yoga I can't do this can't do that so it's going to be that glass of wine so it's got more of a focus but also I have to plan it because I've got to plan meal times I've got to plan bedtimes I've got a schedule so you've got this weird almost um sort of set of circumstances and environment that's priming us for sort of like problematic use almost so it's really like the oil the wheels are very well oiled aren't they at, at that point uh, as well I was I was always prepared it was like everything mm. was up to date I was like giving myself the permission to do it because I was still being a good mum in my head. I was still, you know, the children were clean, the laundry was done, the house was up to date, the meals were cooked. So now I can think two bottles of Prosecco and if it, the next day is a write-off, it doesn't matter because I'm organised, I'm functioning. You know, it's it's it was like I, I was still telling myself, you're okay, you can do this, it's fine, it's normal, this is normal, even though yeah. it was not at all yeah and the boundaries are so it's weird isn't it you're just reminding me I've got one memory and I might have talked about this on the podcast but um it was still in my yeah still in my drinking days and one of the darkest times where I um I had a a friend's an ex-colleague's funeral to go to unfortunately she died very young and it was very difficult for me to ever get away because my husband worked away in London. We haven't got family, you know, nearby. It was all, it was always very difficult to kind of plan this, but I knew I had to go to this thing. So the night before my friend came over, I drank, you know, a good bottle and a half of red wine. Um, I stayed up too late. This is knowing that I was going to have to drive all the way around the North Circular to London to a funeral. But I was like, but I've got to do the biscuits. Like I can't even remember what it was. It was for some school thing. I hadn't done the biscuits because I've been sitting drinking. Wine. So I've got to do the biscuits. I've got to clean up the house. I've got to make sure this is done. I couldn't cancel my friend. You know, what I should have done, what I would do now is I would just like, if I had something like that, I would cancel everything so that I got a good night's sleep and I was able to. But I had no idea of boundaries or self-care or even my capacity almost. Yeah. yeah. 
I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I, this whole sort of becoming sober has opened my eyes to everything. Like I wasn't living, I really wasn't living, you know, under that cloud of alcohol. It was, I was just getting along, you know, making it through the day, basically. Yeah. And so what, um, what actually was stopping? What, what made you stop in the end? So, it, in fact, it was a colleague that I think, I think in my head I knew I was always, you know, always worrying about who I'd hurt. And I, and I knew that it, this was damaging those closest to me. It was, I was putting a strain on my relationship with my husband, with my own children, with my parents and my, my sister and her children. And, and they, that's my world to me, like right now, like that's all that matters in my life. And I just knew, I think it was a Christmas, my parents had come to have Christmas and I I would have drunk a lot. And I think I was very aware that they were aware, but they would never say anything. Dad would always be like, freeze the crowd. You know, I think he would drop the hints, but again, I think it was for me to find out for myself. But um, it was New Year's Day, 2020. I woke up in alone. Dave, David and I had, and I knew. Well I, well, I knew because he wasn't there in the bedroom. We'd had a fight, so he wasn't in in the room. And you're sitting there with all the fear, all the anxiety. You're crippled, like with every horrible emotion. And I just went down the stairs, and I just and I and I'd said to David then. I can't do this anymore. And I just burst into tears. And he, and instead of berating me, like he probably had done in the past, he just said, I know. So what are we going to do about it? And it was, and he said, we, which made me feel instantly like, okay, I have to take this step. A colleague in my work had approached me because she'd watched her own mum drink growing up. And she could see the pain that mm. I was in. And she just said, Max, I don't want you, I don't want your boys to grow up having that memory of you. She's and so between that and sort of my husband, that pushed me to make that step. It was the like I I mean, I've done a lot in my life, you know. Always my friends always take the mick out of me because I'm all like, when I was in Bahrain and all that, <laughs> I've always been brave. I've always like, yeah, I can get on a plane round to the other end of the other side of the world and live and I can do it I can jump off that I'll do that but this was the hardest step because I didn't know life without it Mm. I didn't know how you lived without alcohol I don't you know but I just knew if I didn't I wouldn't my family wouldn't be here we wouldn't Mm. be together so Mm. that's worth more than a bottle of fizz you know yeah yeah. And so what happened? So that morning you see, he said, okay, what, yeah, what are we going to do? So what was the, what so was that the process? Day, I think I just, I ate, ate. <laughs> I just camped for eight because I was hungover anyway. Um, and just went to, I watched like Harry Potter movies back to back. I can remember it just feeling so sorry for myself, just, just really horribly sorry for myself. And then I downloaded the sober, you know, I am sober at the count, counting the day app, and I didn't really know what else to do. I just, I had a book. I think it was the Sober Revolution book, um, 
and that that colleague had recommended and um I just went walking I think I just walked and mm. walked and walked whenever I felt a trigger or felt mm, I just went out and I pe- played like all those that those cheesy like eye of the tiger songs you know like I will survive fighter ones yeah, yeah you know what I mean like Wilson Phillips I remember being hold on like just oh. out in the streets just you know I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and then but I didn't I wasn't educated in as I am now thanks to you you guys like love sober like opened my eyes but it initially it was the count so for the first year with lockdown thrown in as a teacher remote learning didn't have a clue what I was doing homeschooling didn't have a clue what I was doing plus a child with you know neurodiverse needs that was you know we're falling off the sober path but mm. luckily Scotland had a bit of good weather that year <laughs> so we had a bit of sunshine kept me going yeah. might have gone out more than once a day um but you know we 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 got through it in fact mm. I said lockdown for us was amazing in the end because not only was I growing myself with this um newfound sobriety but we were just doing things that families should be doing that I avoided doing because I just was all so selfishly like what have I been through today woe is me I need this drink go away go away you know to the kids all the time whereas now it's like what are we all doing I need to be we need to be together (laughs) you know it's it's night and day so that yeah the first year was just getting to the to the year I'm a bit all or nothing in everything. So it was, the, the count was really important. But when I was approaching the year, I was like, what do you do now? And that's yeah. when I loved sober. It was in December that I joined a peer support and you've not shut me up ever since because it was like, I just, I'd started attending all the weekly ones and then life school came up, um, which was just 12 weeks of, oh, just, born again I think <laughs> yeah. well you know yourself because we fed back to you every week and I was just mm. like wow you know what I just le- learned to love life and you know it sounds really cheesy really really cheesy but oh just going for a walk at five o'clock in the morning and watching the deer walk through the fields or the sun rising or um as the community you know you know my sparkle was the paddleboard you know finding my thing and my sparkle was you know much to David's probably financial sort of like annoyance investing in a really good paddleboard amazing you know getting out on the water being near the water you know it just just who knew that that's all it needed those simple small things and just freedom to plan the day as it unfolds I'm quite controlling I know that in in a lot of areas of my life but now it's like what are we doing this weekend ah it doesn't matter whereas before it had to be we're going to go there 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 then the pub Mm. we're going to that 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 then we're going to go to friends and there's going to be alcohol it all had to be around that Mm. where now it's like we can get in the car we can go to the to the coast and not come back till nine ten at night and I can drive and it's fine you know it's it's just a world, it's a different world. Yeah, and I, and I always think that that thing about, you know, 
when people are trying to moderate and you know this this idea that that's going to be the holy grail somehow and actually they don't realize actually what you get is freedom yeah I mean moderate I I don't even know what that means I can't even (laughs) in my vocabulary (laughs) even back in you know when I used to drink people say do you want to go for a coffee why why you know whereas now I love going for coffee and I love, you know, oh, let's go to that place because they've got amazing cakes. You know, who just thought I'd be so excited about going for a cup of coffee? But yeah. back then it was like, unless we're going for a drink, I don't think we can have a friendship. Like, you know, yeah. it was, that was the mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what's I going to say? You, sorry, I've had to, my son's come in and put the kettle on, so I'm hoping that, that you can hear me and everyone can hear. So... Might, might be a bit of editing but we might be all right so in terms of like that first year because you said you know as soon as you got that like on that day one it was like right was that get to a year at that point that was your goal yeah, mm. yeah that was my goal I, there was and I, I brought this up on Pierce support before I remember for the sort of first three to four months every Friday between three and six I had huge wobbles like I couldn't cope it was as if my body was so ingrained with that Friday wine time drinking from 3 p.m it it was as if I could wanted to scratch my skin off because I, I you know I just had to be initially I'd just scream and cry and stamp my feet at David because he was like my outlet for for trying to get past these sort of hurdles initially and then suddenly, one Friday, it just didn't happen anymore. It just stopped happening. And I think it took about three to four months. Yeah. But I can only describe it as if maybe it's how some, you know, because I never really thought I was addicted to alcohol, but clearly I must have been in some shape or form because that's how it it was like, I think, how addiction must feel when you, when you, need, to, when you need to stop. Yeah, and there is that, there are, you know, there's that data around that, around that time, three months being a kind of a significant turning point for sure. Mm. Um, the brain chemistry, the rewiring yeah. stuff that goes on. We And what we didn't realise, I remember talking to Mandy about this, but it was a real eye-opener because both of us went back to drinking at the, the, um, the year point. And what we didn't realise was there's a real bit of rewiring and a dopamine drop that happens just before that year point, which is so many people, we don't know about that. So if we kind of, I suppose, if we know we know about it, and that's that education piece, isn't it, that we can go, oh, okay, this because otherwise we tell ourselves stories about it. And it's very yeah. personalised, isn't it? And then rather than going, oh, right, okay, that's that's just, yeah part of what the brain does around that time you're like oh fine I'll just go do something else for like 24 yeah. hours or something yeah I had and it was fine it'll yeah. just go away so that's it, amazing that you yeah so you were all right that that was like really deeply ingrained that that Friday feeling yeah. kind of thing and then so what other to, so the rest of it how was that so I think the advantage of lockdown was not having to see people and nothing was open. So I remember we talked about that a lot on peer support because when things started to open up, we all started to get a little bit wobbly because we were quite nervous about socialising. And I think for me, um, I just 
had to be prepared. I had to sort of, you know, right, okay, so if I feel triggered, if we're out and about and we're in a pub or we're going to friends, I was very much clear on what I needed to do. I, I would say to some some friends, right, I'm, leave, I'm leaving now. I'm going to go home, put on my pyjamas, have a cup of tea, get a bit of whole nut, watch the telly, and I'm going to come back and pick David up and the boys up in an hour so that I'm letting them have longer because my social window is like an hour, an hour and a half and then I'm done, you know, and I never knew that. I always thought I needed to be around people all the time, but now I don't really, you know, I quite like just um, a bit quiet now, which is, which is quite a surprise. So I think it was a bit of planning initially. It was kind of like, well, you know what, I, I, I was trying to be kind to myself, trying to learn about boundaries and say, look, I'll come to this part, but then I'm going to go. Yeah. And that's only come with sort of confidence and strength because I what the thing that I found difficult to navigate was my relationships with friends and my social life because it was quite alka-centric what I'd been doing. So it was trying to find middle ground with that so that, I didn't want anybody around me to feel they couldn't drink around me. I've got no issue with that. But at the same time, I didn't want to sit and listen to your nonsense three times over six hours later because I've got other things to go and do. So, you know, I had to be trying to find the balance. And with some friends, it's worked out brilliantly and they're respectful of that. And, you know, we do lunch lunches, they carry on drinking and I get the train home or what have you. And it's fine. But I have found that some friendships maybe have had to be put to the side because it was it was maybe suited that purpose back then and it and it doesn't really, you know, suit suit my lifestyle choices now. And and again, accepting, hopefully accepting that that's okay. Mm. And they accept that that's okay and it's all, you know. You, you you separate nice and easily and it's you know but mm. I think that come with learning that's just you know because I'm quite sensitive and an overthinker that's taken a long time mm. to to get there but I have I'm getting there now I'm mm. you know it's interesting isn't it how we can have that idea of ourselves as very social and actually once we take out the alcohol out of the equation it's like it doesn't I guess it doesn't mean that we're not social but that the idea of what social looks like and what our preferences and capacity are changes yeah and and you don't know that do you when you're drinking because you drink to sort of numb all the edges and when that uncomfortable feeling of like I've had enough it's like well I'll just have another drink then and da 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 so it's like uh, and and what and when you're saying it's just sort of taking me back and thinking how much fear there is you know in the early days there's such a lot of fear that everything will be ruined and that I won't no one will like well I, I'm speaking for myself yeah. no one will like me I'll be boring we'll have nothing in common you know it's like it uh, I sold a lot of things short didn't see the value in certain people who might have been quieter but would just always be there um, yeah Whereas someone who was gobby or actually wasn't isn't there for me now, you know, or maybe they were fun, but actually they're not actually who I might choose as a sort of a friend now. It's it's interesting that yeah, how how much fear there is at 
the beginning and I, I what I love about what you're saying what I love about hearing your story is that all the hope in it you know that I can imagine people starting out would go yeah I yeah I don't I don't know what it looks like but okay that might it might be okay <laughs> you know I think as well it's important that you know you you just because you perhaps stop it doesn't mean everything gets fixed you know like it's not like a light goes on and life's perfect you know everything that I was finding challenging still remains but I'm dealing with it and approaching it in a much better way um you know something that I I I I'm trying to forgive myself on is is that dismiss I was quite dismissive of of the boys on a Friday on a Saturday because I've just it'd been a full-on week and what I didn't realize with with um Archie in particular when he was perhaps in my head hassling me he needed me mm. quite frankly he was in his own heightened state and he needed me and I was dismissive and whilst I'm quite ashamed of that now still I know now I am a hundred percent there for him mm. like in every wobble in every moment and and as we were saying before like I sometimes I deal with it like a champion some days I deal with it like oh check me look at that gentle parenting approach that I've just done um ticked all the boxes and then some days I might throw stuff and there might be a few choice words and it's not my finest moment but I have to forgive myself because you know and we me and Arch work through it together but he knows I'm there he know you know yeah. he knows that and that you know is is god worth so much more than having a drink yeah 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 like you say you're kind of that thing about not being a perfect parent but it means that you don't go absent whilst still being in the same room I think that's yeah. the thing that's very confusing for, yeah. and I know that I used to do that for sure because I used to just kind of go actually I what and what you're saying as well I think before it was about socializing about respecting our own honoring our own sensory needs and capacities but actually most of us we haven't got bloody clue how to do that we don't know yeah. that that oh it's absolutely fine and actually you know I need my own five minute I need my own like time out now you know and I know that you know, in the past, I mean, my husband's great now, but he's sort of like used to make jokes about how like what like, what a child I am. And it's like, well, actually, no, what I realise now is I'm neurodivergent. Like I need, I have quite, I have sensory needs. No, I can't listen to you and you at the same time. And if the radio's on, I'm going to have a meltdown. I've got yeah. three things going on yeah. I'll be like that. I'll be literally twitching and, and kind of letting myself stim under the table. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I had no idea about that. And I love what you said also about working through it with Archie. So you get, they get that sense of reparation and process and learning and growth. And it's like, we don't have to be perfect. And many of us thought we did while we were drinking. Yeah. Isn't it? It's such, yeah. and I like, you know, and I think it is really important that we also have those, 
yeah that it's not because I definitely felt that if I stopped drinking like because it was such a big thing but I was like okay if I stop drinking like things will be perfect like I literally will lose a stone (laughs) I'll be like literally I remember a blog I wrote three weeks into my sober journey the first time around and it was like why don't I look like Gwyneth Paltrow yet and I was like, I literally was quite annoyed. And I see that actually on sober forums, that kind of sort of feeling like we've built up. And it's almost like that, okay, this is such a big thing to give up. I've got to get a really big thing back. It's got to be worth yeah. it. So you kind of raise the stakes on yourself, don't you? And I think that evens out as you go through, you get that overarching well-being sense of, peace and security and some more serenity and it isn't about those like quick wins I know for me that was a definite learning I think also I mean I just replaced it with a lot of sugar to start with so there was no chance oh me too (laughs) model at any point but um but do you know what does come back it's 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 the eyes I think it's in the eyes Mm. isn't it I mean aside from all the physical sort of the, the stuff that really you know I, it doesn't matter so much but I think it's the spark comes back mm. in your eyes and in your this is going to sound so cheesy but like your mm. soul do you know what I mean like you mm. I don't know I just I feel I've got more drive now than I've ever had that's that's what's come back because well number one you gain so much time mm. because you know you, you, you're not wasting it sort of crumpled in a heap on your sofa watching Netflix stuff in your face with a pizza but you know you've just got all this time on your hands and you you take up new hobbies you know mm. like things that you never thought you'd ever do or ever thought you'd like you know yeah. um, and then the people you know it all just grows it just I don't know I just feel like be- becoming sober for me has just opened up more doors than I than I thought it ever could yeah yeah, I think in the beginning, I think, you know, we all say that when towards the end of the drinking days, it can feel very, very narrow and it can get very narrow. And then I was like, well, I wanted it to be really wide straight away. And it wasn't for me. It's like I had to just do the day in, day out. I did have to do all the sugar and the Netflix. Just getting, you know, you've mentioned as well, haven't you? Like you said, we quite a lot. The like the sober communities are building out your sober community is being big. Place where no one else is not drinking is is difficult, isn't it? You feel like you're the only one. So you can, you know, that that's you know, the 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 ladies in um love sober, you know, some of them, you know, they've become more than just a person in a Facebook group. They become friends, you become your own little family it's it's amazing mm. um I mean obviously I'm still waiting for the big love sober paddleboard reunion yeah. that we're making happen. yeah let's do that then has <laughs> barley got anything oh yeah we thought we did mention barley once yeah. didn't we <laughs> yeah I've been there okay I, yeah I you could yeah you could do you've done the recce for yeah. us yeah but yeah I think um I, I mean I'm still working on so much you know mm. like the still the overwhelm the anxiety um but it's the it's feeling every real raw emotions I think for me I remember 
once it was a simple little thing we went for dinner it was my husband's birthday and I was just watching the boys with with their dad looking at football YouTube video uh, ultimate goals and I actually cried like but with joy just it was just us it was the Smiths against the world and it was just perfection right there a simple thing like that need I didn't need any more than that and I think I'd spent so long just numbing everything out and just 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 letting myself being sucked under this gray cloud and not you know every day has a gray cloud I'm I've no doubt but it's what you do with it Mm. you know it's what you decide to do you you can either choose to just sit under that or you can choose to try and find, oh, I'm listen to me with my little analogy. I love it. Find yeah. the, you know, the sun trying to get yeah. through. It doesn't happen up here, but you know, it. that's what you can choose to do. And that for me at the moment is what I, a big learning for mm. me is, is what I choose to do with my reaction to things mm. or how I deal with things is, is what's is my biggest learning for me at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I hear. I yeah, I can really relate to that, and I think that has absolutely changed with me with sobriety, and also, I'd say some things like yo, you know, yoga. Like you know, we talk about like maybe you don't you've done your paddle boarding and find ways to change your state, um, yeah. relax, self soothe. And once you can start to work with that and find an agency and it's a regular thing, I think that we do. Our brains become adaptive again and they become, uh, what's the word, flexible. We have a flexibility and greater bandwidth. And it was like all of those things, I had no idea. I just thought I'd not have the hangover and feel quite so shit about myself. Oh, apart from yeah. looking like Green Paltrow. I had no idea that there was all this stuff that would feel easy it's almost like they say oh god I am going to be a yoga ball but my yoga teacher sort of says you know you do like the reason we practice yoga is not so we can be good at yoga it's so we can be good at life Mm -hmm. and I feel the same about sobriety it's not so that we don't drink alcohol it's so that we can enjoy and be better at our lives and have our and our lives can be better for us you know and I do I feel like people you know I'm the, the drink's always around me and I think that's brilliant if you can have a drink and you're fine and you can you know but I can't I just can't and this yeah. is something I was talking about with my husband earlier it's just my nervous system or nervous regulate cannot cope with mm. that coming into play because there's too much going on there already yeah so it's, it, it's just too much yeah and it took me 30 years to realize that you know um and I just it's 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 that so so I know that I can't cope I've resigned to the fact that that I think once you just know that you just close the book on it and 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 my my family my husband and my boys foremost my my immediate like family I won't risk anything to and that bottom line yeah so in a sense you'll see your because I was going to say to you you know what the next like what would be your um yeah your advice to people really starting out or if they're struggling and that just to reflect back on that is like 
like you found your two whys, right? Haven't you? Yeah. You've got your why, which is your reason, your raison d'etre, which is your family, husband, and boys. Yeah. But also another big why is actually my nervous system is dysregulated enough, and that's like that's just the worst kind of thing that yeah. I could put into it. It's so what that fuel to the fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're not taught that. We're told that it's the right tool for the fire, and often it isn't for people, you know. Yeah. Um, but what other yeah, what would be your, your advice or your tips and tools for people? I mean, it, it whilst it's the scariest, you know, steps you'll make, you won't regret it. It's it I I I heard this quote, the, this is so gonna sound so stupid, but I was watching Tarry. I do love many like reality shows, and it was the only way is Essex. And this this person said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna get what you get which is so true, yeah. you know, do, that you get some some words of wisdom. And uh, I was just thinking, if you keep doing, if you keep approaching things in that way, or you keep that, you're going to get the same result every time. And only you can change it. Mm. Down to you to change it. Again, I think it's all this big thing, this choice. It, it, I had to make that step. It was only me that could do that. My husband couldn't make me do that. My dad couldn't make me do that. It, you know, it was me that had to do that. And once you've done that, you've just, there's no looking back. It just, it's hard, but everything's hard. But which which hard do you want? Do you want mm. to keep drinking and for it to still be hard? Or do you want to change it? And whilst it's hard, it's going to be different. It's going to be exciting. And I think that's important. Which, 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 which do you want? Yeah. yeah. Um. And that's that's why I've decided sobriety, as hard as it can be, it's, it gets easier. It does get easier. I know people say, oh, yeah, it's all right for you. You've got all that time under your belt. But I never did have that time under my belt. I had to still work at it. But and I still do now. You know, you still I still feel like I'm walking along a cliff path. And if I veer too far to the you know you can there's no room for complacency you've got to keep at it you've mm. got to still put the work in mm. um but the rewards are greater they're greater than any more time spent drinking mm. I love that and in terms of sort of what the work looks like for you on a daily basis what would that look like I get out I have to move mm. I get up early before the house gets up because you, as you know yourself with a child that you know I, you never know what your day is going to start like so yeah. I have to preempt that it might start a little bit chaotic so I get up early and have my time so that's my first hour two hours of self-care and that's in the shape of a walk a run noticing nature and just quiet or I go meet with a friend and we just talk a lot of nonsense and it's lovely that's the absolute and then I suppose you get on with your day and, you know, I think self-care for me, I do reward myself a little bit too much with chocolate. So that's probably not the best. <laughs> I'm no good in a bath because I can't sit still. So again, I might even walk or run later. Mm. I just, I'm a bit of an on the go person. Remember we did this and, I, you know, I'm very, not very good at the breathing and the writing and the journaling, but I'm, I just just love I don't know just being being out mm. with you know the elements yeah 
Yeah, and it's so great that you found what works for you. Yeah, and a podcast, the odd podcast. Mm. I like listening to, you know, Love Sober. I do my sober days, love love listening to him. Um, you know, the, the Australian girl, the sober awkward, you know, like just whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. just because like you, I love listening to other people's stories because I feel at some you can relate, you know, to them. Mm. And it just gives me that, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. Just me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Max. It's been so lovely to talk to you. It's been amazing. So, you know, we always, um, you finish with what's your reason to love sober today? Um, and I have written that down. Very well done. Um, freedom. My the freedom it gives me on all levels. Just yeah, that's why I love being sober. Mm. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Um you know, and it's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you and to spend well, a bit more time with you. And um, yeah, and I'm sure that people listening in, there's just so much to relate to, you know. And thank you for being honest and also keeping it real, you know, just as you always do. <laughs> I love the fact that you keep it real. So thank well, you very much. Okay. And anyone else that's listening, love sofas the way forward. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's you why we've uh, that's why we've decided to have you on for the first episode so you could plug love sober yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so if you're in immediately concerned about your drinking um do reach out send up a flare you can get in touch with me at hello at lovesober.com um finding a community that works for you and like as max said you know she is she's a member of the love sober community and um but yeah, this is the main thing. The main message here is, is I guess, just don't feel alone. Just find your fit. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for more, for more chat.